Letter 103 of Pamela, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, Volume 2 by Samuel Richardson. Letter 103. My dear Lady G. You desire to have a little specimen of my nursery tales and stories with which, as Miss Fenwick told you, on her return to Lincolnshire, I entertain my Miss Goodwin and my little boys, but you make me too high a compliment when you tell me it is for your own instruction and example. Yet you know, my dear Lady G., be your motives what they will, I must obey you, although were others to see it, I might expose myself to the smiles and contempt of judges less prejudiced in my favour so i will begin without any further apology and as near as i can give you those very stories with which miss fenwick was so pleased and of which she has made so favourable a report let me acquaint you then that my method is to give characters of persons i have known in one part or other of my life in feigned names whose conduct may serve for imitation or warning to my dear attentive miss and sometimes i give instances of good boys and naughty boys for the sake of my billy and my davers and they are continually coming about me dear madam a pretty story now cries miss and dear mamma tell me of good boys and of naughty boys cries billy miss is a surprising child of her age and is very familiar with many of the best characters in the spectators and having a smattering of latin and more than a smattering of italian and being a perfect mistress of french is seldom at a loss for a derivation of such words as are not of english original and so i shall give you a story in feigned names with which she is so delighted that she has written it down but i will first trespass on your patience with one of my childish tales every day once or twice i cause miss goodwin who plays and sings very prettily to give a tune or two to me my billy and my davers who as well as my pamela love and learn to touch the keys young as the latter is and she will have a sweet finger i can observe that and a charming ear and her voice is music itself oh the fond fond mother i know you will say on reading this then madam we all proceed hand in hand together to the nursery to my charlie and jemmy and in this happy retirement so much my delight in the absence of my best beloved imagine you see me seated surrounded with the joy and the hope of my future prospects as well as my present comforts miss goodwin imagine you see on my right hand sitting on a velvet stool because she is eldest and a miss billy on my left in a little cane elbow chair because he is eldest and a good boy my davers and my sparkling-eyed pamela with my charlie between them on little silken cushions at my feet hand in hand their pleased eyes looking up to my more delighted ones and my sweet-natured promising jemmy in my lap the nurses and the cradle just behind us, and the nursery maids delightedly pursuing some useful needlework for the dear charmers of my heart, all as hush 
and as still as silence itself as the pretty creatures generally are when their little watchful eyes see my lips beginning to open for they take neat notice already of my rule of two ears to one tongue insomuch that if billy or davers are either of them for breaking the mum as they call it they are immediately hush at any time if i put my finger to my lip or if miss points hers to her ear even to the breaking of a word in two as it were and yet all my boys are as lively as so many birds while my pamela is cheerful easy soft gentle always smiling but modest and harmless as a dove i began with a story of two little boys and two little girls the children of a fine gentleman and a fine lady who loved them dearly that they were all so good and loved one another so well that everybody who saw them admired them and talked of them far and near that they would part with anything to the another loved the poor spoke kindly to the servants did everything they were bid to do were not proud knew no strife but who should learn their books best and be the prettiest scholar that the servants loved them and would do anything they desired that they were not proud of fine clothes and let not their heads run upon their playthings when they should mind their books said grace before they eat their prayers before they went to bed and as soon as they rose were always clean and neat would not tell a fib for the world and were above doing anything that required one that god blessed them more and more and blessed their papa and mamma and their uncles and aunts and cousins for their sakes and there was a happy family my dear loves no one idle all prettily employed the masters at their books the misses at their books too or at their needles except at their play hours when they were never rude nor noisy nor mischievous nor quarrelsome and no such word was ever heard from their mouths as why mayn't i have this or that as well as billy or bobby or why should sally have this or that any more than i but it was as my mamma pleases my mamma knows best and a bow and a smile and no surliness or scowling brow to be seen if they were denied anything for well did they know that their papa and mamma loved them so dearly that they would refuse them nothing that was for their good and they were sure when they were refused they asked for something that would have done them hurt had it been granted never were such good boys and girls as these and they grew up and the masters became fine scholars and fine gentlemen and everybody honoured them and the misses became fine ladies and fine housewives and this gentleman when they grew to be women sought to marry one of the misses and that gentleman the other and happy was he that could be admitted into their companies so that they had nothing to do but to pick and choose out of the best gentlemen in the country while the greatest ladies for birth and the most remarkable for virtue which my dears is better than either birth or fortune thought themselves honoured by the addresses of the two brothers and they married and made good papas and mammas and were so many blessings to the age in which they lived there my dear loves were happy sons and daughters for good masters seldom fail to make good gentlemen and good misses good ladies and god blesses them with as good children as they were to their parents and so the blessing goes round who would not but be good well but mamma we will all be good won't we 
master davers cries my billy yes brother billy but what will become of the naughty boys tell us mamma about the naughty boys why there was a poor poor widow woman who had three naughty sons and one naughty daughter and they would do nothing that their mamma bid them do were always quarrelling scratching and fighting would not say their prayers would not learn their books so that the little boys used to laugh at them and point at them as they went along for blockheads and nobody loved them or took notice of them except to beat and thump them about for their naughty ways and their undutifulness to their poor mother who worked hard to maintain them as they grew up they grew worse and worse and more and more stupid and ignorant so that they impoverished their poor mother and at last broke her heart poor poor widow woman and her neighbours joined together to bury the poor widow woman for these sad ungracious children made away with what little she had left while she was ill before her heart was quite broken and this helped to break it the sooner for had she lived she saw she must have wanted bread and had no comfort with such wicked children poor poor widow woman said my billy with tears and my little dove shed tears too and davers was moved and miss wiped her fine eyes but what became of the naughty boys and the naughty girl mamma became of them why one son was forced to go to sea and there he was drowned another turned thief for he would not work and he came to an untimely end the third was idle and ignorant and nobody who knew how he used his poor mother would employ him and so he was forced to go into a far country and beg his bread and the naughty girl having never loved work pined away in sloth and filthiness and at last broke her arm and died of a fever lamenting too late that she had been so wicked a daughter to so good a mother and so there was a sad end to all the four ungracious children who never would mind what their poor mother said to them and god punished their naughtiness as you see while the good children i mentioned before were the glory of their family and the delight of everybody that knew them who would not be good was the inference and the repetition from billy with his hands clapped together poor widow woman gave me much pleasure so my childish story ended with a kiss of each pretty dear and their thanks for my story and then came on mrs request for a woman's story as she called it i dismissed my babies to their play and taking mrs hand she standing before me all attention began in a more womanly strain to her for she is very fond of being thought a woman and indeed is a prudent sensible dear comprehends anything instantly and makes very pretty reflections upon what she hears or reads as you will observe in what follows there is nothing my dear miss goodwin that young ladies should be so watchful over as their reputation tis a tender flower that the least frost will nip the least cold wind will blast and when once blasted it will never flourish again but wither to the very root but this i have told you so often i need not repeat what i have said so to my story there were four pretty ladies lived in one genteel neighbourhood daughters of four several families but all companions and visitors and yet all of very different inclinations coquetilla we will call one prudiana another profusiana the third and prudentia the fourth their several names denoting their respective qualities 
Cocotilla was the only daughter of a worthy baronet by a lady very gay, but rather indiscreet than unvirtuous, who took not the requisite care of her daughter's education, but let her be overrun with the love of fashion, dress, and equipage. And when in London, balls, operas, plays, the park, the ring, the withdrawing-room took up her whole attention. She admired nobody but herself, fluttered about, laughing at, and despising a crowd of men followers whom she attracted by gay thoughtless freedoms of behaviour too nearly treading on the skirts of immodesty yet made she not one worthy conquest exciting on the contrary in all sober minds that contempt of herself which she so profusely would be thought to pour down upon the rest of the world after she had several years fluttered about the dangerous light like some silly fly she at last singed the wings of her reputation for being despised by every worthy heart she became too easy and cheap a prey to a man the most unworthy of all her followers who had resolution and confidence enough to break through those few cobweb reserves in which she had encircled her precarious virtue and which were no longer of force to preserve her honour when she met with a man more bold and more enterprising than herself and who was as designing as she was thoughtless and what then became of coquetilla why she was forced to pass over sea to ireland where nobody knew her and to bury herself in a dull obscurity to go by another name and at last unable to support a life so unsuitable to the natural gaiety of her temper she pined herself into a consumption and died unpitied and unlamented among strangers having not one friend but whom she bought with her money poor lady coquetilla said miss goodwin what a sad thing it is to have a wrong education and how happy am i who have so good a lady to supply the place of a dear distant mamma but be pleased madame to proceed to the next prudiana my dear was the daughter of a gentleman who was a widower and had while the young lady was an infant buried her mamma he was a good sort of man but had but one lesson to teach to prudiana and that was to avoid all sort of conversation with the men but never gave her the right turn of mind nor instilled into it that sense of her religious duties which would have been her best guard in all temptations for provided she kept out of the sight and conversation of the gentlemen and avoided the company of those ladies who more freely conversed with the other sex it was all her papa desired of her this gave her a haughty sullen and reserved turn made her stiff formal and affected she had sense enough to discover early the faults of coquetilla and in dislike to them fell the more easily into that contrary extreme which a recluse education and her papa's cautions naturally led her so that pride reserve affectation and censoriousness made up the essentials of her character and she became more unamiable even than coquetilla and as the other was too accessible prudiana was quite unapproachable by gentlemen and unfit for any conversation but that of her servants being also deserted by those of her own sex by whom she might have improved on account of her censorious disposition
and what was the consequence why this every worthy person of both sexes despising her and she being used to see nobody but servants at last throws herself upon one of that class in an evil hour she finds something that is taking to her low taste in the person of her papa's valet a wretch so infinitely beneath her but a gay coxcomb of a servant that everybody attributed to her the scandal of making the first advances for otherwise it was presumed he durst not have looked up to his master's daughter so here ended all her pride all her reserves came to this her censoriousness of others redoubled people's contempt upon herself and made nobody pity her she was finally turned out of doors without a penny of fortune the fellow was forced to set up a barber's shop in a country town for all he knew was to shave and dress a peruke and her papa would never look upon her more so that prudiana became the outcast of her family and the scorn of all that knew her and was forced to mingle in conversation and company with the wretches of her husband's degree poor miserable prudiana said miss what a sad sad fall was hers and all owing to the want of a proper education too and to the loss of such a mamma as i have an aunt and so wise a papa as i have an uncle and how could her papa i wonder restrain her person as he did like a poor nun and make her unacquainted with the generous restraints of the mind i am sure my dear good aunt it will be owing to you that i shall never be a coquetilla nor a prudiana neither your table is always surrounded with the best of company with worthy gentlemen as well as ladies and you instruct me to judge of both and of every new guest in such a manner as makes me esteem them all and censure nobody but yet to see faults in some to avoid and graces in others to imitate but in nobody but yourself and my uncle anything so like perfection as shall attract one's admiration to one's own ruin you are young yet my love and must always doubt your own strength and pray to god more and more as your years advance to give you more and more prudence and watchfulness over your conduct but yet my dear you must think justly of yourself too for let the young gentleman be ever so learned and discreet your education entitles you to think as well of yourself as of them for don't you see the ladies who are so kind as to visit us that have not been abroad as you have been when they were young yet make as good figures in conversation say as good things as any of the gentlemen for my dear all that the gentlemen know more than the ladies except here and there such a one as your dear uncle with all their learned education is only that they have been disciplined perhaps into an observation of a few accuracies in speech which if they know no more rather distinguish the pedant than the gentleman such as the avoiding of a false concord as they call it and which you know how to do as well as the best not to put a was for a were an are for an is and to be able to speak in mood and tense and such like valuable parts of education so that my dear you can have no reason to look upon that sex in so high a light as to depreciate your own and yet you must not be proud nor conceited neither 
but make this one rule your guide in your maiden state think yourself above the gentlemen and they'll think you so too and address you with reverence and respect if they see there be neither pride nor arrogance in your behaviour but a consciousness of merit a true dignity such as becomes virgin modesty and untainted purity of mind and manners like that of an angel among men for so young ladies should look upon themselves to be and will then be treated as such by the other sex in your married state which is a kind of state of humiliation for a lady you must think yourself subordinate to your husband for so it has pleased god to make the wife you must have no will of your own in petty things and if you marry a gentleman of sense and honour such a one as your uncle he will look upon you as his equal and will exalt you the more for your abasing yourself in short my dear he will act by you just as your dear uncle does by me and then what a happy creature will you be so i shall madame to be sure i shall but i know i shall be happy whenever i marry because i have such wise directors and such an example before me and if it please god i will never think of any man in pursuance of your constant advice to young ladies at the tea-table who is not a man of sense and a virtuous gentleman but now dear madam for your next character there are two more yet to come that's my pleasure i wish there were ten why the next was profusiana you may remember my love profusiana took another course to her ruin she fell into some of cocotilla's foibles but pursued them for another end and in another manner struck with the grandeur and magnificence of what weak people call the upper life she gives herself up to the circus to balls to operas to masquerades and assemblies affects to shine at the head of all companies at tunbridge at bath and every place of public resort plays high is always receiving and paying visits giving balls and making treats and entertainments and is so much above the conduct which mostly recommends a young lady to the esteem of the deserving of the other sex that no gentleman who prefers solid happiness can think of addressing her though she is a fine person and has many outward graces of behaviour she becomes the favourite toast of the place she frequents is proud of that distinction gives the fashion and delights in the pride that she can make apes in imitation whenever she pleases but yet endeavouring to avoid being thought proud makes herself cheap and is the subject of the attempts of every coxcomb of eminence and with much ado preserves her virtue though not her character what all this while is poor profusiana doing she would be glad perhaps of a suitable proposal and would it may be give up some of her gaieties and extravagances for profusiana has wit and is not totally destitute of reason when she suffers herself to think but her conduct procures her not one solid friendship and she has not in a twelvemonth among a thousand professions of service one devoir that she can attend to or a friend that she can depend upon all the women she sees if she excels them hate her the gay part of the men with whom she accompanies most are all in a plot against her honour 
even the gentlemen whose conduct in the general is governed by principles of virtue come down to these public places to partake of the innocent freedoms allowed there and oftentimes give themselves airs of gallantry and never have it in their thoughts to commence a treaty of marriage with an acquaintance begun upon that gay spot what solid friendships and satisfactions then is profusiana excluded from her name indeed is written in every public window and prostituted as i may call it at the pleasure of every profligate or sot who wears a diamond to engrave it and that it may be with most vile and barbarous imputations and freedoms of words added by rakes who very probably never exchanged a syllable with her the wounded trees are perhaps also taught to wear the initials of her name linked not unlikely and widening as they grow with those of a scoundrel but all this while she makes not the least impression upon one noble heart and at last perhaps having run on to the end of an uninterrupted race of follies she is cheated into the arms of some vile fortune-hunter who quickly lavishes away the remains of that fortune which her extravagance had left and then after the worst usage abandoning her with contempt she sinks into an obscurity that cuts short the thread of her life and leaves no remembrance but on the brittle glass and still more faithless bark that ever she had a being alas alas what a butterfly of a day said miss an expression she remembered of lady towers was poor profusiana what a sad thing to be so dazzled by worldly grandeur and to have so many admirers and not one real friend very true my dear and how carefully ought a person of a gay and lively temper to watch over it and what a rock may public places be to a lady's reputation if she be not doubly vigilant in her conduct when she is exposed to the censures and observations of malignant crowds of people many of the worst of whom spare the least those who are most unlike themselves but then madam said miss would profusiana venture to play at public places will ladies game madam i have heard you say that lords and sharpers but just out of liveries in gaming are upon a foot in everything save that one has nothing to lose and the other much besides his reputation and will ladies so disgrace their characters and their sex as to pursue this pernicious diversion in public yes my dear they will too often the more's the pity and don't you remember when we were at bath in what a hurry i once passed by some knots of genteel people and you asked what those were doing i told you whisperingly they were gaming and loath i was that my miss goodwin should stop to see some sights to which till she arrived at the years of discretion it was not proper to familiarize her eye in some sort of acting like the ancient romans who would not assign punishments to certain atrocious crimes because they had such an high idea of human nature as to suppose it incapable of committing them so i was not for having you while a little girl see those things which i knew would give no credit to our sex and which i thought when you grew older should be new and shocking to you but now you are so much a woman in discretion i may tell you anything 
she kissed my hand and made me a fine curtsy and told me that now she longed to hear of prudentia's conduct her name madam said she promises better things than those of her three companions and so it had need for how sad is it to think that out of four ladies of distinction three of them should be naughty and of course unhappy these two words of course my dear said i were very prettily put in let me kiss you for it since every one that is naughty first or last must be certainly unhappy far otherwise than what i have related was it with the amiable prudentia like the industrious bee she makes up her honey hoard from every flower bitter as well as sweet for every character is of use to her by which she can improve her own she had the happiness of an aunt who loved her as i do you and of an uncle who doted on her as yours does for alas poor prudentia lost her papa and mamma almost in her infancy in one week but was so happy in her uncle and aunt's care as not to miss them in her education and but just to remember their persons by reading by observation and by attention she daily added new advantages to those which her education gave her she saw and pitied the fluttering freedoms and dangerous nights of coquetilla the sullen pride the affectation and stiff reserves which prudiana assumed she penetrated and made it her study to avoid and the gay hazardous conduct extravagant temper and love of tinsel grandeur which were the blemishes of profusiana's character she dreaded and shunned she fortifies herself with the excellent examples of the past and present ages and knows how to avoid the faults of the faulty and to imitate the graces of the most perfect she takes into her scheme of that future happiness which she hopes to make her own what are the true excellencies of her sex and endeavours to appropriate to herself the domestic virtues which shall one day make her the crown of some worthy gentleman's earthly happiness and which of course as you prettily said my dear will secure and heighten her own that noble frankness of disposition that sweet and unaffected openness and simplicity which shines in all her actions and behaviour commend her to the esteem and reverence of all mankind as her humility and affability and a temper uncensorious and ever making the best of what she said of the absent person of either sex due to the love of every lady her name indeed is not prostituted on windows nor carved on the barks of trees in public places but it smells sweet to every nostril dwells on every tongue and is engraven on every heart she meets with no address but from men of honour and probity the fluttering coxcomb the inveigling parasite the insidious deceiver the mercenary fortune-hunter spread no snares for a heart guarded by discretion and prudence as hers is they see that all her amiable virtues are the happy result of an uniform judgment and the effects of her own wisdom founded in an education to which she does the highest credit and at last after several worthy offers enough to perplex a lady's choice she blesses some one happy gentleman more distinguished than the rest for learning good sense and true politeness 
which is but another word for virtue and honor, and shines to her last hour in all the duties of domestic life as an excellent wife, mother, mistress, friend, and Christian, and so confirms all the expectations of which her maiden life had given such strong and such edifying presages. Then, folding my dear miss in my arms and kissing her, tears of pleasure standing in her pretty eyes, who would not, said I, shun the examples of the Cocotillas, the Prudianas, and the Profusianas of this world, and choose to imitate the character of Prudentia, the happy and the happy-making Prudentia? Oh, madam, madam, said the dear creature, smothering me with her rapturous kisses, Prudentia is you, is you indeed it can be nobody else oh teach me good god to follow your example and i shall be a second prudentia indeed i shall god send you may my beloved miss and may he bless you more if possible than prudentia was blessed and so my dear lady g you have some of my nursery tales, with which, relying on your kind allowances and friendship, I conclude myself your affectionate and faithful P.B. End of letter 103